Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, yeah, it's been a long week. It's been an absolutely insane week in the context of global macro as well as just in Bitcoin and crypto. So excited to make this podcast happen. How you doing, man? Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. Nice. Happiest Friday. The the sun's coming out for one last time here in Seattle. Uh, got some got some nice uh, outdoor manual labor activities to get that last burst of sun. So here's what we're gonna talk about on this podcast today. Uh, Trump got COVID, so that's interesting. Gonna, gonna talk about that. Uh, that's impacting the macro environment. Bitcoin took a tumble. Ether took a tumble, but then not that much of a tumble. So we're gonna talk about that. Also, uh, Bitmex got, got bit wrecked by by the three letter agencies and, and one four letter agency. That's something that's interesting to talk about. In the grand scheme of things, this is like the United States nation advancing on uh, Bitcoin, right? And, and, and we've seen this before. This is the eight year anniversary, apparently, of Ross Ulbricht getting his lifetime sentence for doing his dastardly deeds of providing a safe haven for people to trade drugs, basically. Um, and so uh, any other, and then I think we're also going to talk about the KuCoin hack and why this is relevant to DeFi and also why the BitMEX yeah. uh, issue is relevant to DeFi. Are there any other topics we've I missed? No, I, I think that's a jam-packed show. Um, what do you want to start with? Um, let's do with BitMEX. Let's start with BitMEX. Start with BitMEX. Okay, so okay. What, what, what happened here? So uh, basically, the, the law... The CFTC decided that it's going after BitMEX for operating an illegal derivatives market for, and for serving U.S. customers. You know, apparently blocking U.S. IP addresses is not enough. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, and so the CTO of BitMEX is in jail, and Arthur Hayes and a couple other the, a couple other other BitMEX. Uh, uh, officers are quote unquote at large. They are at large, which probably means that people are looking for them to put them in jail, uh, which is interesting. Uh, CK, what's your take? So Matt Odell had a really good take on this on yesterday's uh, rabbit hole recap. But uh, essentially what Matt said is basically what the U.S. is saying is that for any company that is dealing with cryptocurrency or any sort of security or any sort of money service, anything, th it is their responsibility to ensure that no American uses it outside of American uh, laws. And just blocking US IP is not enough. Essentially what all of these agencies are saying is that, no, you have to go as far as to KYC every single person, period, in order to ensure that they're not Americans. Uh, so, I mean, really what BitMEX did was say, hey, no Americans use it, we're not gonna KYC, that's it. And they just blocked, you know, they just blocked uh, the IP addresses and um, and that was not enough, right? Which, so what they're signaling is that you have to do more than just block that. You have to ensure that there are no Americans using it. And it's just kind of a crazy standard if you think about what the implications of this is. I, I totally agree, and and I think the re the the big take here is that like you could be a citizen of any other country, very very far away from the United States, even though technically distance shouldn't really matter. You could be a citizen of 
some African country or some Indonesian country, right? And you created this website that was a derivative derivatives exchange, and it was and you the reason why you created this website is because you wanted to offer a product or service to people, right? And so you made this website available, and then you know the U.S. customers came, and then you went to jail because U.S. customers used the internet to use your product, right? And then you went to jail for that. And you had nothing to do with the United States. You're not a United States citizen. Like, why does the United States get to put other people in jail when, like, there it's outside of their domain of, of relevance, right? And ultimately, the answer is because of the dollar, right? The power of the dollar. At least that's where the incentive is. There isn't the right to do this. There's just the incentive to do this. And who's going to tell the United States nation state, nation state no? Well, I mean, that's why we Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin and cryptocurrency at large is the separation of money from state. And, you know, when you have the global reserve currency, when you back it up with the global police force, um, you know, that's how you that's how you back up your money. That's what the U.S. dollar is at least attempting to do. Uh, so that, you know, we're seeing them try to, you know, bully people around and, and do and do what they think they have the right to do. Yeah, so so that's like the Bitcoiner libertarian take, where like, I, and, and something I've noticed is like the Bitcoiners are very, um, very pro Bitmex, right? They love Bitmex. It's kind of like the instantiation of like a free bank from like Nick Carter's concept of like Bitcoin's free banking, right? Bitcoin is is Bitcoin's DeFi, right? Like it's this 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 thing that you can go to, uh, and and it's it's the reason why it's anti fragile. It's supposed to be like it's you know somewhere somewhere in the world and, and kind of like finance it doesn't really have any it's just an internet it's just an internet web page um and the thing and on the other side of that is like you know bitmex was like this black box and it, it's probably true that like it traded against its customers and like milked them for their bitcoins right and so that's probably true and and so like on on from the ethereum side like ethereum people are like yeah like good riddance like get it the fuck out of here like it's it's a scammy product and it's just it's just a casino for people who are degenerates who are traders right and and <laughs> and and like and fine like we and this is why we want the real version of defi the actual anti-fragile stuff so i i i think that's pretty fascinating seeing that that kind of division between the bitcoiners and the ethereans about how useful bitmex is Okay, well, I would say that DeFi and BitMEX are very much similar things. Like, how does Bitcoin make a company anti-fragile? So I, I'm actually, like I've talked about writing, I haven't written anything yet, but there's this idea that has been in my head is this idea of a sovereign company. And really, a, a sovereign company is a company that has its own servers and that is that runs on cryptocurrency and you know, really can master and use geographical arbitrage and conserve the entire world. And BitMEX is a great example of that. But I would say that a lot of DeFi apps are also great examples of that and like quote unquote DAOs. Uh, BitMEX is being attacked right now. I wouldn't say BitMEX is quote unquote dead. They are still offering withdrawals. No one has lost their money. That No one has gotten exit scam. They haven't they never uh, shotgun KYC'd people. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would say as an organization, they're under attack. But, you know, if they weren't using Bitcoin, their funds would have been frozen. But they're mm -hmm. processing withdrawals. So right. um, they're, you know, as a sovereign company, uh, they are showing resilience against attack of the U.S. dollar. And imagine if there's hundreds, thousands of, quote unquote, crypto powered companies. 
And that's the future that we're headed towards. And, you know, they're going to take nebulous shapes and sizes. But um, I think that, you know, the the basic concept and what BitMEX and what Binance and what a lot of these exchanges are kind of pioneering, Bitfinex is a good example, too, is this idea of like a sovereign company. Yes. And if that's what ultimately comes out of this, then that makes me very bullish for BitMEX, right? I'm not ready to say that like that's what's happening. It, it, it sounds like, you know, the United States is coming after BitMEX under the full force of the law, right? And like if they if they have to defend their position in court, then like the sovereignness of BitMEX is kind of in question, right? Because if it was really sovereign, it wouldn't need to go to court. Like as soon as you're in court, you kind of give up your sovereignty, right? Especially if you get summoned. And like and something that you pointed out was like this is the eighth anniversary of Ross Ulbricht's uh, uh, sentence, and you know, like maybe we could have, have thought about like the Silk Road as another sovereign business, right? A, a nation state list business, and that didn't do so well, right? Like now, now Ross Ulbricht is in jail for life, and the the Silk Road got shut down, right? Only to be made of you know fifty a thousand more like Silk Roads. But but and and maybe it's that first through the door like idea like maybe Arthur goes to jail and Bitmex shut down because it wasn't as anti fragile as we thought, but then like a hundred thousand you know Bitmex derivative set websites come up in its place. I mean, I would say there already are a hundred thousand, and they're just waiting for their chance. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and there's also the monster that is you know what's being built on Ethereum. And Tron and other shitcoin changes. And I, I don't oh my to, god! Don't class. Okay, d- Tron all right. Let, let, let's like let's that. let's separate. So we got centralized exchanges. We have whatever Ethereum infrastructure, and then we have like the shitcoin, like the yeah. shitcoin copycat version. Like mm-hmm. all three of those things are being proliferated, despite Bitmex getting attacked. And again, Bit- Bitmex still has Bitcoin. Like they still have a multi-sig that works. So. Until that multi-sig is compromised, until those people are in, are, uh, in custody, um, it's it's a battle, which is, you know, the dollar versus BitMEX, which is just interesting. And again, I think crypto is defensive technology and it's a numbers game. So, like, what can the dollar go up against, you know, 50 BitMEXs? Could the dollar go up against 50 BitMEXs in five countries that are using that are crypto uh, enabled and use a crypto standard? Like that's when uh, things start to get pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree. And then also very adjacent to this is like the, the conversation of DeFi itself as, as it relates, right? Because the Ethereans are, are like, you know, well, this is this is why you do DeFi, right? Like if you want to be anti-fragile, you got to go all the way. And that's what that's what DeFi is supposed to be, right? But then we saw something, unless, we, unless you have any more BitMEX related uh, takes, I'm going to pivot to the KuCoin hack. Uh, then we had the 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 KuCoin hack, which had a bunch of of, of quote unquote shit coins uh, stolen from it, and this was like this decentralization acid test, or that's what that's what Ryan called it in the Bankless newsletter, where like all of a sudden a bunch of tokens got stolen, and you know the it came time for you know if there was actually a central operator or a few central people that could control things in an admin like fashion, then it came time for them to do that, right? If they wanted to do it, then they, then they did it. And so this was like really putting people uh, with a gun up against the wall saying like, you know, if you have the power to undo something, 
then like perhaps now is the time to take it. And a decent number of the shit coins that got stolen out of KuCoin decided to, to press the big red button and freeze funds, right? And so Ampleforth, which is the, the token that invented rebasing, which invented its own mania, uh, which is supposed to be this like non-sovereign, you know, uh, govern, governing, governance minimized like system, froze funds, <laughs> it froze the funds, which is just hilarious, dude. Uh, I find it the, funny that you laugh because I, I believe you're the one who uttered, you know, Ampleforth is kind of like Bitcoin, except that it's, it, it is, you know, rebases it is, or whatever. It is comparable to Bitcoin in some senses. I, I, I would always say but Ampleforth, not in practice. Theoretically, yeah, but not I, in I practice. I would always say Ampleforth is like Bitcoin in the sense that, right? I wouldn't say it is like Bitcoin. I would say in the I sense don't know. that. That's important. I feel like important you, disclaimer. Plus, I, I always would finish it off that it's a monetary experiment too, which again, like this is part of the, the whole experiment uh, social contract, right? This is what an experiment is. An experiment has like a big red button apparently, right? And then there's other assets like synthetics where like there could have been a, a, a SIP, a synthetics improvement proposal injected into the system and then governors could have voted on it. But then Kane was like, you know, like I'm not even going to bother to draft this thing because I don't really even care that much. Like, fuck it. It's like it's, it's going to be too much work and we don't even want it to in order to, to get it. So like maybe theoretically synthetics could have pressed the big red button, but it seems to be that the social contract was to not do that. Right. And then on the far end of the spectrum, you have Ether and Die, which also got hacked, which like it's there's no even question or no, nobody is even questioning this. So like big spectrum inside of DeFi. Yeah. Oh, and Bitcoin, right? So there's this, there's, and, I mean, yeah. this was actually a huge hack. In the huge grand scheme of exchange hacks, this was a huge hack. And they yeah. stole Bitcoin, they stole Ether, they stole DAI, they stole Tether, they stole, mm-hmm. stole a bunch of shit coins. And what Ooh, you saw Tether is got frozen, central, right? Yeah, all the centralized ones got frozen and then everything else didn't. So I think what we're going to start seeing is that these exchange hacks are going to really, they're going to go after the stuff that they know can't be frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's going mm-hmm. to enable them to actually keep the funds because a, a decent amount of the funds got frozen in terms of like, I mean, there's a lot of random shit coins and every mm-hmm. single one of them was like, eh, 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 right. you know, froze the funds, right. sorry. And then of course, you know, Tether led me just saying, oh, we froze it. Like, cause you know, that's what Tether does. Yeah, because fuck you. Uh, it's funny, <laughs> Tether turning into like the ultra client-esque, like, you know, it, it's really interesting, like mm-hmm. what Tether is becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a, I got yeah. received a, a cr- critique from uh, from Colin Harper on on Twitter where I said like uh, Bitmex Bitmex got hacked right and or not hacked Bitmex got uh, taken down by the nation state and and I said like well this is why DeFi exists right like this is this is what the whole point of DeFi is for and then Colin does like the the laughy laughy cry face emoji. And he goes like, well, you, you know, DeFi is just the same fucking thing. It's you, you don't think that like P, the CFTC can knock on some DeFi project stores and make them do the same thing. And like, that's not the point. The point is that like, whatever DeFi is, is what's left when, uh, you know, you have something like a KuCoin hack or the CFTC is coming and knocking on your door, right? DeFi is left. Whatever is left after like the, the power of the nation state comes and tries to take you down, if they do take you down, you are therefore not DeFi. And if they can't take you down, therefore you're DeFi. That's how DeFi works. Well, this is, this is, yeah, I would, I would say that I, I, I directionally agree with that, but okay, let's talk about the example of synthetics. So Kane didn't bother the mm-hmm. governors, you know, out of their ethos, they didn't want to mm-hmm. do it, but theoretically mm-hmm. they had the power, right? So what happens when 
there's a class lawsuit saying you guys had the power to reverse this. Why didn't you? You are fiduciaries, right? And there's right. some sort of reason to go after them. Like, again, this is a theoretical thing that like, you know, if there is a literally a centralized org and per- people that can be publicly looked at, there is some risk and we don't have precedent. If anything, there's precedent mm-hmm. that they're going to go after you. Hence, mm-hmm. you know, BitMEX. Um, well, so so I don't know. This- this didn't protect BitMEX, but there's not one single member of this synthetic team that is inside the United States. And they are also working on uh, decentralizing governance, right? And so I feel like if that happened, like court court is slow, right? And you know, if, if that happened, I feel like they could really just rush through a, a SIP that handed over governance over to the synthetic token holders. And I don't think that would be that complicated. The, to- the tools are in the tool belt for that one. And, and like really the reality is what... I'm trying to point to Bitmex is U.S. Com- arresting people coming down on them versus actually shutting them down and taking their, their funds is different things. And the same as any of these DeFi things. Like if they can be taken down, then that is a sign of lack of resilience. But if they can be mm-hmm. attacked, but still, you know, give governance away or continue running, then that's bullish. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I think our only topic left is Trump gets COVID, which is just fucking hilarious. Well, yeah, that is hilarious. But before we get into that, about uh, the FinCEN files. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think BuzzFeed actually leaked this. It's funny how BuzzFeed sometimes leaks really huge stuff. But uh, BuzzFeed <laughs> leaked this. And apparently, you know, so all of this KYC AML is so that banks, if there's something suspicious, they make a report. And they can report it and they have all this infrastructure in order to enable that reporting and then buzzfeed reported that these banks like report it no one acts on those reports and then the banks if account will go and continue and just process the file and several several major u.s banks were all implicated uh well as you know fincen of course because you know they're getting literally reports and doing nothing especially of the largest uh, right. the largest uh, criminals and entities. Uh, and I mean, where to compare that to, to BitMEX, like all of these, like Chase Bank, Bank of America, mm-hmm. Wells Fargo, all get slapped on the wrists. Um, I guess, you know, some people may have mm-hmm. gone to jail, but not the not the public. You look at BitMEX, which maybe there's some shady stuff there, but for the most part, like they banned American customers they didn't you know want to do kyc and follow the law and here they are being attacked without necessarily like doing fraud or breaking the law directly so i don't know like i feel like two tiers versus what happens if you're not an insider right yeah wait so when did this come out this wasn't recent right it was like two weeks ago this is brand new. Because I, th- right? Okay, that sounds about right. Because I had, yeah, recent as in not not in the last two days. Because I listened to a Planet Money podcast that I think talked about the same exact subject matter roughly in the last two weeks. Uh, and so I think I think this was about the same yep. thing, where like it doesn't it doesn't matter that they are getting fined by these agencies, right? Because like the money that they're taking in is orders of magnitude more. So they're just going to keep on continuing to money launder because like the CFTC or or 
whoever is in charge of making sure there's no anti-money laundering just isn't going after them, right? Which makes me so goddamn frustrated that like every time I bring up crypto to my sister, who like has been around me enough to the point where she should understand a little bit more optimistically about like the future of crypto, where she's like, okay, so like, you know, we, we're talking about crypto and then we're talking about like how crypto is used for money laundering. And like, I can't like, it's like, it's such an outdated, like frustrating, frustrating, like conversation because like it's crypto is perpetually associated with money laundering. And, and like the only difference between like the banks and, and every, and crypto is that you, the banks just have it legalized or, or not legal. But like, I guess if they're only slapping you on the wrist to a yeah, small degree legalized. and they're paying and you're, and you're, it is legalized. It's just legal money laundering. It's just when you do yeah. it with crypto, it's illegal. So they have the excuse to go after you because again, it's the nation state versus, versus Bitcoin. It's the dollar versus Bitcoin. Insider versus outsider. Yep, that's exactly right. Bastards. Um, yeah. Bastards. <laughs> well, hey, the, the I, I have faith in the permissionless ecosystem. I think like that is the key there, mm-hmm. is permissionless versus permissioned. And eventually the permissionless ecosystem will overcome, I believe. Yeah, so we actually we um, actually recorded a podcast on, on Bankless with Amin Soleimani uh, and, and also Kevin Owaki, but Amin was the one that was talking about defection from the nation state. We were talking about uh, Moloch, right? Moloch is the god of human coordination failure. And we were talking about how like the, there is just na- now that there is this thing called Bitcoin or Ethereum, there is a there is an actual place to go if you choose to defect from the nation state, right? Like if you want to defect from the United States nation, there's actually a place where you can go to do that. And we call that Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? And so just the optionality, there's Bitcoin. No, not incorrect. Um the optionality of being able to defect and actually have a place, play, something to do with that is now really extremely enticing. And therefore, it also creates the incentive to defect, right? So like, I don't know if Ross Ulbricht was all that money motivated, but like there is a, was a massive incentive to build out the Silk Road because that's a business opportunity and Bitcoin is awesome. And, and the more Bitcoins you make, you know, you the more the share of the 21 million you have. Same thing with BitMEX, same pattern. Like, there, there. People want to gamble with their bitcoins, and Bitcoin is a great currency to gamble with, right? Same and thing with I, Ethereum, too. Right. Absolutely. Right. And then, and so, like, there's just becoming just more and more incentive to defect over and over and over again. So, I think these cases are going to start to really accelerate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, oh, the book I show the most is the Sovereign Individual. So, I yeah. think that that's uh, same these. It talks about all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's logic of violence and uh, the the ability to uh, to defect with your the max amount of your property in the easiest mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like let's contrast the Silk Road versus Bitmax. Okay, Silk Road easily shut down. Ross imprisoned. Bitcoin mm-hmm. seized. Bitmax one person taken down. Uh, they're using multi-sig for mm-hmm. all of their funds, and they're still withdrawing funds, and they still have access to mm-hmm. their uh their insurance fund uh, and other people are dispersed across the world uh and yes they're at large but they're not taken down um what's the next step of that right anonymous founders um right see they're, they're not even graphic, gonna be able to touch some of the DeFi stuff. coordination right well i mean like again it's possible that that's the future but what's happening right now i want to see i like i don't want to see them attack but like I want to see what happens. And depending on if what happens during that first attack, like my opinion on the current DeFi infrastructure may change a lot. 
It just depends well, on so what like, the end result is there. So, like, I, I want them to see, like, them, the, them, the, the agencies, the powers that be, like, go after something like YERN and, and YFI, or, like, things that, or YAMs even, things that were governance tokens that weren't issued by any one particular individual from, from day one, right? And like Wi-Fi is already on Coinbase, right? So like to some degree, it's already starting to stitch itself into the into the legacy system, right? And like and like Wi-Fi is like the most is like the the hardest thing to go after as a regulator because of the role of or because of just the the facts of how it came out into the ecosystem, right? So some of the most like crazy stupid experiments that we get a lot of criticisms from Bitcoiners are the things that are the hardest to shut down, right? Like that, and and so so incredibly difficult to the point like, well, regulators are going to just look at it, and be like, well, fucking pass, like pass on that one, and that that's like the bull case for DeFi. I mean, we've already seen that with some ICOs, but we're also seeing late ICOs kind of getting hit. No, but they're they're not I they're mean, not in the same category this, like, as YG. I, for sure, but like, I don't, man. There's a guy going around in podcasts. Like, I think that they they can find a target. Like again. I don't think the government is fair. I don't think these regulators are fair. That's the whole point of this like two-sided thing. So like, yeah, maybe the system continues, but some people might get fucked too. And we'll right. see. Yeah. Like, so I'm Andre not, can go I'm get, not. can go get snagged, but like, he's not wifey. Not sure. Wifey. Yeah. And again, like we're about to, we're going to find out what wifey is. We're going to find out mm-hmm. how anti-fragile wifey is. Like if, if they attack it. Right. Like, and that's what I want to see. I want to see. Mm-hmm. So you don't think they're going to attack at all? I don't. I, I think they're going to totally ignore it. It's funny that that your your uh, your bias is that regulators will just you know let, let it go, whatever. And I think well, a lot of they're going they will that you know they're going to they're just going to continue to crack, crack down. Well, so like look at. Until they start to go after some of the more anti-fragile DeFi stuff, like first off, they wouldn't go for Wi-Fi first. They would go for something like Synthetics or Aave, which literally has a, a website with a team page on it. Wi-Fi doesn't have that, right? Uh, and and before they go after those things, they're going to go after things like Silk Roads and Bitmexes that are like you know actual you know equity companies somewhere. Well, I guess Silk Road wasn't an equity company, but Bitmex was is. And also like Binance too, right? Like Binance, Binance, Binance is going to go before Aave and Synthetics, and Aave and Synthetics are going to go before Wi-Fi and Yams, right? I mean, I would say that Binance is probably safe. Why do you think, I think Binance, Binance is safe? I think Binance has done a lot more complying than than Bitmex. Oh yeah, they they do KYC, don't they? They do a lot of they yeah they they pretty much just kind of like locked in their spot and then started complying. Wait, I got Ether into Binance, did some stuff, and got it back out without KYCing. There's still like, some, if you use a VPN or Tor, like, like there's still ways to use Binance. Like, okay. I mean, but like, there's the US, there's, there's a, a, USA there's version, a little bit of Ether, by the way. Like yeah. listening. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, like it's going to be interesting. To see this stuff shake out like this is what pointers have been talking about this whole time and crypto people have been talking about so yeah i don't know 
exciting dude i'm fucking ready to rumble let's fucking do this shit like maybe other people other DeFi teams are like no we're not ready yet but like i'm fucking ready let's go let's fucking game on come at me bro yeah do you think uh do you think so wait there's a recent uh fud article or whatever saying that where vitalik is saying that on-chain scaling is years away did you read that this morning oh was that a recent tweet yeah, I guess it was this morning. So at least when I saw people on Bitcoin starting. Well, yeah. So so sharding, sharding is known to be like not close, right? And I and I didn't know if Vitalik thought that it was multiple years away, but I definitely knew that he would say it was great, greater than one year away. And so yeah, like that's kind of that's kind of like a known known quantity in the Ethereum space. Like I, I knew that sharding isn't coming for at least a year and a half, and then knowing. Knowing Ethereum schedule, like the the plan for sharding to be here in a year and a half, you know, let's probably at least double that, right? Um, so so that's fair. So, but that's but but like I think he was probably making that tweet in the context of optimism as a scaling solution. I mean, I, I, we don't even have to get into this fully, but I guess I, if I have one question for you, it would be: Would you say that the general consensus to the Ethereum is that? ETH2 mainnet is launching in 2020. Well, it, it, the, the question then goes as to what is the ETH2 mainnet because phase zero is launching, but that's not okay. all of what ETH2 is. What? So, so like, I mean, like either it gets to migrate is what I mean. Yeah. Well, then and that's phase zero. But uh, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call that Ethereum 2.0. But yes, if, if some some amount of ether will be able to migrate in 2020. Yes. You think that's for sure happening? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, want, you right. want me to explain my reasoning? No. No. It's I just wanted to sure. Okay. So the uh, Spinalda testnet just went live two days ago, and it's or maybe yesterday, and it's a three-day-long testnet, which is the dress rehearsal for the deposit contract for what gets your Ether from ETH1 to ETH2, right? And so, so if that goes according to plan, which so far it is, then that's like that's like the dress rehearsal right before the big show, right? It's the final dress rehearsal. Like there's nothing left. And so the the plan with the phase two test net is that if nothing, if no bugs happen in three months, then we're going live. And that started two months ago. And we are now in October. And so we are three week, we are three to four weeks left before we're in November, where we've had a, a, a test net running with zero bugs. And that's been the rule for getting a phase phase zero up and running. And so wait, when was the uh, when was the time bug? Uh, so we actually aren't counting that because it fixed itself. Not counting it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, but didn't so, it didn't slash a lot of ETH like it would have been a pretty bad thing if it happened in production. Yes, but it's 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 a it's a non-incentivized test net. Like it, it slashed a lot of fake ETH, not real ETH. And so like once people figured it out, they're like, oh, okay, like, you know, like all I got to do is do this thing. And then, and then it came back online. And if that was real ether, the same exact outcome would have happened. And yes, real ether would have been slashed, but everyone would have paid attention to it like 10 times more. Like the reason why it was a big bug is because it wasn't incentivized. You weren't, no one was actually losing anything, right? It was like the people, people were offline and they weren't getting back online because there was no, there, there wasn't actually real ether being slashed. And so, and the testnet never went down importantly. And so it, it was actually fixed. The plane was fixed while it was in air, which actually in my mind is kind of fucking bullish because like we actually got a real live, like, oh fuck moment to, to test that. 
and we fixed it before before it crashed. And so I'd actually prefer that to shit like that to have happened. And so okay. now the only the thing that needs to happen between now and the testnet to go live is nothing. Like things need to not change. Like something would need to happen unexpectedly for phase zero to go live. Like everything else is ready to go. All right. Tweet, tweet stamp it, guys. It's happening, according to David. So I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. We'll sign it off. Poor Dev right here. Should we sign okay. it off? Wait, do we have Thanks. anything else to talk about? Thanks, everyone. No, Trump get, we uh, never talk about trumping Rona. Um, yeah. My question is, does Rona. Biden have Rona? Does Biden have Rona? That's no, he tested question. negative. He did? Okay. Yeah, he tested negative. So did, so did the vice president, Harris. And, like, and also a bunch of other... Republicans in his cabinet got got positive for Corona, right? And so, like, I think it's just hilarious that, and like, yeah, and then try not to like, you know, it's like, ha ha ha, he got coronavirus, but like, also, like, dude, I don't have any motivation to like not say that. Uh, and and so, like, I think it's is interesting that all like the the conservative Republican anti-Corona people got coronavirus, and all the Democrats, the mask-wearing Democrats, didn't. I think that's funny. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious how it's going to actually play out. Uh, I, it would be interesting if Trump recovers quickly and then plays it off as if it was like no big deal and we shouldn't be worried. Apparently, he's like in the hospital drinking a very specialized cocktail of antibiotics. I'm sure he's getting the finest treatment. The finest treatment. I hope he coughs up uh, a lung. All right. You guys could at pov crypto pod you can meet at ck underscore snarks uh let us know who we should get on the podcast mm -hmm. i feel like we've been a little slow on the guests we've just been so busy on bitcoin magazine um but yeah i mean of course doing these at least once a week and uh keep it fresh cheers you guys can follow me at trustless date both on twitter and on bankless thanks everyone for listening.